Good evening, everyone. <clears throat> How are y'all doing tonight? Or today? Or this morning? Or whenever it is that you might be listening to this podcast. I hope you're doing well. Uh, this is Michael Aaron Casares, and welcome to another episode of The Experience with Michael Aaron Casares. I always have to remember... Michael, the title of the show is The Experience with Michael Aaron Caceres. So try not to introduce yourself before you introduce the title of the show. Because <laughs> you gotta get it right. Um, admittedly, I, I didn't even know uh, that almost 40 episodes later, I'd, I'd still have a show um, with such a title, but... Um, it, it was the easiest fit, and Lord knows I like it when things are easy, but aside from just being easy in general, I know I'm doing a pretty killer play on words right now, but, you know, they say in life, and even in your endeavors, whether they're personal or professional or anything like that, that... The path of least resistance is always the best path to take. And it's not because, you know, someone's weak or a wimp and they don't want to deal with, uh, you know, a hard work. Um, I, think, I think the path of least resistance being the best path is kind of synonymous with working smarter not harder, if you ask me. Um, but also, I think the path of least resistance is also the path that we, as energetic and conscious energy beings, uh, naturally take. I think the universe has a natural ebb and flow, and yes, there might be an ebb sometimes, but generally speaking, I think it generally flows pretty easily. I think the flow of the universe, generally speaking, follows the path of least resistance. And it is in that thought that one can maybe take individual and isolated instances in their life and use it as an examining tool and say, hey, when I made this decision and there was this outcome or there was this consequence, how would that measure up on a resistance scale when you decided to do X instead of Y? Did that result in a lot of resistance, a lot of turmoil, a lot of uh, extra work? a lot of blockages. When you chose W instead of Z, did everything just happen seamlessly, as if though it were meant to be that way without a problem in the world? That's how I try and gauge my decisions sometimes. I think it's a tool I don't rely on solely, but it is a tool that I do use Especially in those moments 
when I'm confused about the place where I am or where I may end up next or when I start to ask myself how I ended up where I ended up. It's a tool of discernment, I guess you could say. To me, it's kind of a common sense tool, but it's not so common. Um, it's just something I've developed over time, I guess, but here we are now having this um, uber peaceful moment. We could call this a chill session if you wanted to because I most definitely feel very relaxed and chill at the moment but I have come to share some poetry with you and um, my writing life and my other life have they seem they seem to have come into some kind of head finally um I'm finding it more and more easy to integrate my identity as a writer with my identity as a you know, news commentator, even someone who's politically active in the cyber or the real community. Um, but speaking of writing and poetry, you know, and I shared it on, I think, a few, couple of episodes, um, where the, the topic that I have been tackling in the most recent episodes um, involves human trafficking. And I don't have any poems that I can think of in review for tonight that deal with that topic. I'm, I may have one or two in my collection somewhere, but... Um, I don't believe that's a topic for tonight, but um, as I had shared in, in my previous uh, podcast episodes, that uh, uh, I had recently had a situation where I was uh, contacted by a poet in a situation um, less than desirable, uh, but. It, it, it just, it was interesting to me because um, in almost 20 years of publishing, because, you know, in, in addition to writing and being a writer myself, I have also served the writing community as a publisher of independent and underground poetry and uh, literature of that nature. I, I would say it's, it's, it's um, literature more in the vein of a beat style type of poetry. Uh, beat poetry. Um, anyways, uh, in almost 20 years of doing that work, this had never happened to me. So naturally being that, you know, the individual who contacted me um, described things that led me to believe that it could be a hoax. Uh, I just don't know whether or not it's someone, um, you know, poking fun at, at, at uh, some of my belief systems, or if it's someone who is using the hype of this gross crime to build himself a publicity platform 
or if it's genuinely someone who's in need of help. You know. Um, regardless, though, it, it was interesting to see that interaction for the first time in nigh on 20 years. Uh, just that the topic of such is so closely interwoven to some of the work that I do. In fact, you know, I've, I've spoken on the topic before, but um, deciding to want to speak on it again and not merely to simply rehash the facts and the truths that the world learned in the last three to four years, that the world was exposed to, that was thrown upon the world. The world didn't just learn about the horrors of modern day human trafficking. The entire concept blew up in the mind of humanity. The concept of human trafficking exploded in the human conscience on a total scale. And now everybody is aware of it. Everyone's attention is on it. All eyes and all lights are on the traffickers who are destroying and who are corrupting and who are abusing these fragile souls. All eyes are on as the sun rises on the human traffickers and the pedophiles of the world. All eyes are open as the sun rises on those who commit satanic and ritualistic murders on children and their brothers and sisters. And I have to say, day by day, day in and day out, the verve I get, the vibe, the feeling, it amplifies and amplifies. It's, it's exponential. Once the mind has been made, the drive and the energy, it, it, it starts to burn. So we'll see what happens, but um, for tonight, we take a little load off. And I'll just read a few poems, and I believe it's uh, actually a mixture of mostly new work, or I should say previously unpublished work, um, work that is on the blog, but it has yet to make print or anything like that. Uh, I think that's probably some of my best work. The experience with Michael Aaron Kosteris is listener-supported. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a small monthly donation to support future episodes. 
You can contribute directly at anchor.fm slash thexpodcast. Click on the support button and enter your card information for a secure donation. Choose your monthly donation. 99 cents to 9.99 a month. Every bit helps. Again, visit anchor.fm slash thexpodcast, spelled the, T-H-E-X podcast, E-X-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And tell them Michael sent you. Okay, so again, if you're following along with the poetry reading for tonight, um, you can go to the root of many returns.com slash tag slash poetry slash page slash seven. And uh, that'll take you to where we are um, at the root of many returns.com. I mean, you just click on the poetry tile and it'll take you to the poetry section of my website. Um, but, uh, if you'd like to read along, you have to scroll or dig all the way down because we are back in March of 2019. So, uh, this poem is just about two years old. It's dated March 24th, 2019. So that means I wrote it on or thereabouts. Um, I found that whenever I really started taking my um my blog and my writing seriously like i wanted to be able to really produce something for readers on my blog who would appreciate or who like the work um i I actually just started composing right onto the uh web host uh whereas i might have you know used a word processor you know written it down or something in the past but um, this first poem I'm sharing is uh, an, an unpublished work, and it, again, March 24th, 2019, or thereabouts, is when I wrote it. The title of the poem is Night of the Deserters. The lies that filled the night, a contingent thread of peace through omission, fear, a revving tide. Consolidated the radicals it insulated and robbed the atmosphere of its own gravity. A smirk hidden at the back somewhere, hidden beneath deep, a mess of quaff and minstrel liars. The eyes reveal the true souls of liars and the hated words that work their way like festering worms through snow. The turgid corpse of latter years expires beneath the crate myrtles. It conducts its business on the daily, collects its dues from the restless and spacey. It runs rails of solid fire down their throats and blinds them behind the humid fumes of lost innocence. Their eyes are half-blind and clouded, like the deepest frost crosses over icy windows. Future change present. 
A resolution is on the horizon. A distant possibility sets permanent in reality. The paranoid, the cynical, justified by the marred truth and the absence of integrity associated with the honor lost, crack their doors open. They sigh deeply. They cry tears of disbelief. They were right all along. To pit man against man, to take the very essence of living and strip away the conscience is the malady of promise. When given a soul and given a choice, it expresses itself imperially. It goes forth and conquers. It becomes a machine, a repetitious act that functions without thought. It splices the genes of man. It is homicidal. It is genocidal. It is suicidal. It seeks the attention of the weak and the presence of the strong to shrink away like a violet and cast its poison on us. Chains. Chains be damned. Lock and key. Hoist away the plan. Cease all errant action. Leave the fates of men alone. Do not interfere with the spirit of free will. It is not a choice to impede, to betray the inner voice, to go against the tide of will and understanding, to give away the secrets of the universe, the act of selling souls. Don't do it. Don't get stuck in the whirlpool of conscience, a gravity thick, a crushing grip of nothingness. The masters of the universe shall return again, but their will to power will not stand the tests of time as it has before. The indomitable will of money men the malignancy of the host they consecrate, the fashion of love they molest, redeem bits and pieces, glimmers iridescent, shards crystalline, magic cosmological, quantum strings of nothingness and everything. It is shattered before them. It is hammered into pieces. It is shown to them like nostalgic images rotating in the dreams of their memory when they dreamed, when they slept, when they rejoiced in the world. It is stripped their right of innocence and their right of immortality among the stars. They will become unbecome memories and birth the shadows of distant space where it is cold and black and they cannot accost man anymore.
So um, those two, again, were both newer poems. Um, I haven't read these basically since I published them. So um, I, d- I don't know. Night of the Deserters and uh, Future Change Present. I'm kind of like, what was I thinking when I wrote that? Uh, Future Change Present I wrote on April 4th, 2019. Again, unpublished. It'll be in my upcoming book, though. Uh, My upcoming collection of poetry is called Even in Death. And I will be publishing that year unless there is a publisher out there that would like to check out my manuscript. Well, just get a hold of me at therootofmanyreturns.com. If you like what you hear, we can talk. In the meantime, I'm going to read another poem. Uh, This next poem was originally published, I want to say, in an internet a uh, poetry magazine or journal. Uh, I want to say it was either uh, a journal called Callous Hands, which is now uh, out of print, out of print, unoperational, defunct. Um, if it, if it wasn't Callous Hands, it was definitely Clockwise Cat. Oh, if it wasn't Clockwise Cat, and Clockwise Cat, I believe, is still functional. Um, it was, uh, it was, uh, the editor, the edit, I remember the editor's name. The editor's name of the journal was No Bias Black. And, um, he was, uh, he was a pretty popular publisher in the independent and underground poetry, uh, circles on the internet, um, in the early and mid 2000s. I guess you could say, maybe up through 2010. And I cannot remember the name of the journal, but I'm starting to think that that is the one that it was published in. And uh, I'm really sorry to say, I I believe he may have passed away, if so, rest in peace. Um, Otherwise, he no longer publishes. I kind of had a feeling that Nobias Black was a pen name anyway, so perhaps Nobias has been retired. But uh, this poem then subsequently appeared in my second collection of poetry called This Reality of Man, which is also the first collection of poetry I published with my real name. This poem is short but sweet. It's entitled Force of Hand. Blank slate inside my arms cannot force the ink out of my fingertips. That black swirl stream of threading darkness will not recede or flood these plains. Twilight dancing softly, flapping waves, silk and black, cannot remember, doesn't want to, would rather erase all those mistakes. The lines shall not wash over me, they shall not exit my nose, enter my mouth, move seamlessly from pore to pore. Such grace is stripped of me.
parched and dry. The cracked mud warns me about personality, says I should be loose enough to change, to fit inside its cracks, to ease out all the blackness melting until rivers become valleys between the chips of drying clay, and my body becomes like it, of more practical use. And I am to accept when time to start again. Mm, I learned a long time ago that the best practice for a poet to practice was not to talk about their poetry. So I I try not to go on or talk too much about the piece and let the piece speak for itself, uh, uh, so to speak. But, um, you know, like that that last piece, um, it's an interesting type to me because it it makes me feel like, uh, I want to call it fragmentary because the reader really has no idea what the hell I'm talking about unless they knew the inside of my mind. Because I find that, and I think a lot of people do, um, there are certain modes of writing poetry that, that I believe they come off as fragmentary, like an incomplete thought, but yet they can be packed with such power and such, you know, uh, utensils, like literary devices and all that good stuff. Uh, but they seem they seem incomplete, and I think those are the pieces that are the pieces that you really have to be inside the poet, like it kind of like it's an inside joke to know exactly what the hell they're talking about, and perhaps through the body of work that that writer leaves behind. If someone is so dedicated and so enthralled by the work, maybe they can piece all of those puzzle pieces together. That is the individual body of their poetry. Anyways, this last poem I'm going to read to you tonight is um, far removed from what I have shared so far. And is a very good example of my um, social poetry. Um, The poetry that I write that is uh, social commentary, it it has a voice that is awakened um, and speaks what it sees through its own interpretation of the world. Uh, that is a very uh, convoluted way of saying it's basically uh, um, activist poetry or patriotic poetry, depending, I guess, on what side of the fence or the coin that you're sitting on. Um, But that uh, is what I'm going to be sharing with you to wrap up the work tonight. Um, I will preface this poem just because it is based on real and current events, or at least they were events that were current for the time. Uh, This poem was written on March 31st, 2019. Now, to this day, 
the activities that this poem addresses still occur in the country of France, where about two, three, four years ago, three, two, three, four years ago now, um, the people of France who were upset with their president and their government uprose, had an uprising and marched and protested every weekend to show their discontent for the way their government was running. And I remember thinking it was a good example of how people should rise up when they don't agree with their government because the French were particularly good at that. If you all don't remember the history of the guillotine and its reign of terror. But the entire situation now in retrospect, because it still is going on. I mean, this has not stopped. But uh, it seems that it is either a watered down or it is co-opted or the movement was co-opted from the jump from the very start. But um, the title of the poem that was inspired by the events of the uprising of the people in France, at least optically speaking, is Perennial Revolution. Paris is burning. Four weeks, the fire spreads, violence erupts, gas billows red, horns and lights, cacophony rings. Buildings burn, cars smolder ablaze, the shops vandalized and looted. The police have removed their helmets as the people attempt to remove their leaders. They'd remove their heads as a testament against treason. The students are stepping out. The protests spread wide across several cities. Blood stains the streets, rebellion and aggression. Opposite energy on the same spectrum of hate Fear inspires some to act without question. Waves of individuals destroy property, attack symbolic establishment. Tens and tens of thousands wage war on modern imperialism, a cloak of socialism and fascism, globalism. The flags of nationalism wave. They are a marking in time. A memory in the body politic. Black vests versus yellow vests. Bombs become explosions. Violence among people, properties destroyed. Difference from the media, the events left unknown to the ignorant world. A living relic of their history. The French will not just eat cake. They will hurl it at their master. They will remove the political cancer the head of the wart that sprouts on their body. The fire will spread, no centralized location. The fuel, a sparking fire for the love of culture, country, and people will trump the selfish player's immortality. It will trump the selfish player's immorality. Freedom will ring as the root is weeded out the debt slaves' shackles removed, the secrets of history shattered, a depth of knowledge remembered, a spirit of unity rekindled, 
respect to fires of the soul, the flame of truth, the world spreads over. And I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's programming on the experience with Michael Aaron Cosseris. I know I did. I know I definitely needed that evening chill session with poetry and a few friends here online. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed my poetry, go pick up some of my work. You can get it at Amazon or order it off of my website, therootofmanyreturns.com. Show a little bit of love to this podcast and writer. Support the experience with a monthly donation. All right, guys. I think I, uh, I, think I hit every note on the contract. <laughs> Anyways, you guys have been great. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening and for coming back for more programming here with uh, me, myself, and I. The experience, the sea report, we try and be well-rounded in these parts. But anyways, I think I'm heading out now for now, guys. We'll see you all again soon. Don't get in too deep. Stay good. And don't forget I love you. Bye, y'all.